0: Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Following the major rallies across the country last week to commemorate Invasion Day, Invasion Day being the date on which in 1788, the rising and the placing of the great flag of Great Britain by Governor Arthur Phillip at Port Jackson in New South Wales, marked the start of the genocide and the invasion of Aboriginal land here in Australia. So following those major rallies across the country last week, this week's show, we talk about what is next, where to in the Aboriginal movement. I spoke with two of the organisers of the Melbourne Rally, Mariki Onis and Crystal McKinnon, Both of these women are from the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance. Their overall message is that for Aboriginal activists it's business as usual, continuing the fight against racism and settler colonialism and working with communities experiencing the direct consequences of these systems of oppression. They start this panel discussion with me by introducing themselves. My
1: name is Mariki and I'm from the Gunnai and Gunditjmara people and I'm also an organiser of Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance and attended the Invasion Day
2: rally on the 26th of January. My name is Crystal McKinnon. I'm a Yamaji woman. I work at RMIT as a research fellow and I also organise with Warriors of the Aboriginal the Resistance I also attended Invasion Day. So, um, Crystal and Mariki,
0: thank you both so much and welcome to the show today. Um, And this is is five years now, I think, or six years that we've been working together on, um, you know, these solidarity kinds of pieces of work and particularly the Invasion Day, the Black Lives Matter and the deaths in custody demonstrations. And I think it's always useful to speak after a demonstration not just about you know how powerful having that number of people on the streets is in support of these movements but also kind of like a a where to so this year is a 30-year anniversary of the royal commission into aboriginal deaths in custody i know that was a major feature of the Invasion Day Rally this year, I guess, Mariki, um, this is uh, sounding like it's going to be a focus of your activism for this year. Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking and what you're planning. But I think for us it's kind of um,
1: business as usual. Yes, those two major events are coming up and they're opportunities to... um, Grow the movement, gain support, and and um, extend the fight. But you know, we do a lot of um, internal organizing within community, and obviously the focus will be on um, building on that. I think, you know, I think building on solidarity um, and um, making sure that solidarity can be done properly and allowship, but also, um, you know, building on the pre-existing initiatives. That we've got going already and making sure that um yeah just building on our existing initiatives that we're doing within our group and um yeah i think that's where we'll be looking this year
0: and crystal is the 30-year anniversary of the royal commission significant for you do you think or um business as usual the work just keeps going
2: yeah i think uh Mariki's right when And um, when she's talking about um, them being a moment that we can galvanise more support in the fight for um, justice for, I guess, families of people who have died in custody and also, you know, communities that are criminalised and including Indigenous communities, um, I think that um, it's, yeah, like these, these anniversaries and things are just kind of moments that capture the broader communities' attention but um, you know the fight for you know rights and justice and um, continues every day in you know in in our community so. I do want to say
1: that I know that um, families who've lost loved ones in custody are organising around um, the 30th year anniversary and there is a call to action. They've asked there's a petition to meet with the Prime Minister. Now it's not lost, you know, that it, that the Royal Commission is a reformist agenda and, you know, I want to just shout out to the families and throw my support and encourage everyone to throw their support around the um, independent grassroots organising, around the families who've lost um, people in custody. I, I, I can't say whether it's the first, but I, I know that this is a significant um, coalition yeah. and it doesn't come around often, if it, if ever, so um, I want to, I just want to say that that will be also a focus um, for me personally is that I want to support the families in their call for justice this year and how they want to do that. Um, and, you know, that's something that I'll be doing. And I know that they want to meet with the Prime Minister, but it's not lost on the families that that may be a fruitless exercise. I think it's about the action um, and it's marking the anniversary and um, shining a light on the failures of the last 30 years. And... Um, maybe we can look away from the reformist agenda and um, maybe more to the abolitionist perspective on on stopping black deaths in custody. But, you know, I'm happy to be led by the families and I can't stress enough that it's so important for us to listen, um, especially people that are in the activist space as well and organising space, um, that people with lived experience, actually, actually we need to listen to them. Um, and they have insights that we don't. So um, that's just sort of a, a message that I wanted to get across that Yeah, there's an opportunity in April coming up.
0: It's a really great point that you raised, Mariki, because I was looking for the words to ask the question, do you think some of these investigations, some of these inquiries, some of these, you know, exposés um that reveal things that we already know do you think that sometimes they have a limiting effect on movements you know like we've got this royal commission into aboriginal deaths in custody Um, significant number of those recommendations have never been implemented Um, deaths in custody continue um, systemic racism in police and racialized policing still continues, racial uh, um police brutality continues. And I'm not saying it had no effect, right? I, I also hear what you're saying in terms of um the reformist agenda is good to put things on um the agenda, but we have to go beyond it. I guess my question is, would it be better not to have these um, sorts of inquiries at all and just fight? hard on the street or um, is it is it useful to have these sorts of um, inquiries and reports on which to build um, other grassroots movements?
2: I think the families and people in the fights for justice are doing multiple things at once. Like it's never just um, so what the petition that um, Mariki was talking about before that's been uh, kind of not organised but led by Natsos on behalf of the families. That's just one aspect of what families are doing. They're doing all sorts of different movements and actions um beyond, say, um, fighting, um, fighting to meet the meet the prime minister. And, you know, so it's important to remember that people are doing multiple different fights in multiple different ways, you know, attending rallies and speaking at rallies, but also petitioning the Prime Minister. Also um you know, speaking at community events and speaking at universities and speaking everywhere they can. And I think families are incredible in the way that they take every opportunity they can to fight for justice for their loved ones who've lost in custody. And personally, I don't think that, um, you know, that A, like Ricky said, i like to support anything that the families want and it's not my place to... Uh, my place I think is to support them in whatever they whatever agenda and whatever they're fighting for Um, I'll get behind it and um, secondly I think that I'm not sure whether the thing with royal commissions and um, you know these kind of national inquiries and that sort of thing is they do uh, they do speak to the broader society um, broader mainstream society I guess about what's occurring and then it can help kind of bring people in so um and help people realize what what's actually going on in the communities in terms of racialized policing I think one of the most important findings of the Royal Commission for me was that the reason why there's so many deaths in custody is because there are so many Aboriginal people in prison and that comes down to the everyday policing um, that Aboriginal people are subject to so um it's important, I guess, to remember. Like we talk about, you know, you know, deaths in custody is such a, such an important thing to get behind. And but there's also, I think, we need to also get behind policing and criminalisation and all the rest of the things that um, are affecting the community as well.
0: Crystal, that just brings me to um, the next kind of thing that I want to look at with you guys, which is police violence and um, what we saw last year the and the year before the growing Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and in Australia, we really um, were led by um Aboriginal activists such as yourselves saw um, increased focus and spotlight on this issue of police violence, racialized policing, where would you say we're at in relation to the Black Lives Matter movement, not just from an Australia point of view, but also as a solidarity movement piece of work? It's not,
1: for want of better words, just not cut and dry or as black or as white as that. You know, people are more conscious about, you know, racial profiling and racial racist policing and that that can um, also end in, some, in an Aboriginal or black person's death around the world and there has been an emotional reaction to it. But the only thing that's reality changing are the names of the people that are dying. Um, but I, I do think that there is a groundswell of community organising and community support. Um, and there is strength in the community organising. And that's what, you know, um, that gives me, that's what I like to see. And that's probably something I prefer to work towards is the community work. And um, I come from, you know, what worries the Aboriginal resistance is more revolutionary politics. But um, yeah, I I think that we have to, as um, political groups, not expect that these moments are going to change anything, but more that they're opportunities to grow our movements. And um, for me, it is business as usual, although it has grown the movement, but we've just got to keep organising and keep growing and keep educating um, until our moment can arise, but it won't arise in a way, it won't it won't come to us on a moment like Invasion Day or around Black Lives Matter. They're just pockets of um, of um of consciousness that we can tap into the mainstream every now and again but eventually it just goes back to normal but we as people that already know and educated around it and can organize around it have to um try and maintain and sustain the movement around this to continue on you know like when you when we think about all the great things that this in the 60s and 70s in this country and around the globe for black people and self-organising was at its peak it also dropped off and you know where can we organize again around that sort of stuff where where where? um you know like people might people are going to soon drop off and not care about invasion day soon and, and black lives matter it's going to be yesterday and it's news um very quickly so we've got to jump on that and make um make the most out of it as we can it can't happen itself and you know i think personally it's going to take discipline and um, education and organising. I know I sound really repetitive, but it's really hard to, to get around moments when really the people are still dying. Um, and I, I believe that, you know, we'll end racist policing and um, oppression against our peoples when we can do, um, bring down systems of white supremacy and settler colonialism.
0: Crystal, did you have thoughts on that?
2: No, I, I agree with what Mariki saying. Um, yeah. Um, you know, globally, indigenous and uh, Black communities and people of color communities have been organizing together for decades. You know, um, you know it's you know it's not a new thing. It's just a new thing that's captured. I think uh, you're talking Black Lives Matter. I guess the mainstream attention, and I think there was just a powder keg moment with the pandemic and Um, yeah and just a few other things going on in the world that created this situation where there was this kind of global uprising in ways that um, were you know like Mariki said you know pockets of consciousness and which which grew I think Um, you know and we do our best I think all to in the kind of left and activist world to kind of harness those moments and Grow the movement and, you know, and also do um, education work within activists, the activist um, communities. And yeah, it's just like Murky said, I think it's going to take a lot of discipline and, you know, um, a lot of work to bring down these systems of, you know, white supremacy, settler colonialism, you know, these sort of structures in order, which, you know, where I think um we're all here in this call kind of not into reform We're into tearing down these structures and you know kind of know that they're built on oppression and um you know land theft and um you know you can't reform that we need to build something else so you yeah, you're providing me <laughs>
0: You're providing me with all my segues, Crystal, because my next question, (laughs) don't apologise, it's perfect. Because um, what I do want to talk about is education. You know, both of you have spoken about revolutionary politics and that the task in front of us isn't just reformism because that's tinkering at the edges of the system and really we need to bring it down. But revolutionary politics aren't inherent you know they can be logical for a certain oppressed communities but there is um, such a task of learning what comrades before us have learned learning from the mistakes that they've made building on the lessons of the past etc uh, and mariki you also talked about really um, uh, working inside the community with members of the community and Crystal you talked about education so how much of a role is there for us as activists to actually do that educational work with new comrades, activists coming up after us, ahead of us, around us? Um, And how formal should that education work be? How do we actually impart our knowledge? Well, I mean...
1: That's a really difficult, that's a good question and that's something that we grapple with every day. How do we make what we're all talking about and thinking about and acting on more something that's um, worthy of consuming for the everyday person that's just trying to get by and survive, you know? Um, That's a really good question and we're trying to do like Crystal writes amazing articles and, um, you know, we're always contributing to the public commentation on, commentary sorry on um on black politics and it's constant and i guess you can say that's one of the positives of having social media but it also obviously has its limitations um my answer is i don't have an answer to your question giselle but i'll be listening to crystal's answer
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think, um you know it's, it, there's so many there's so many um, different avenues for education I guess like it's in the conversations I have with both of you you know when I see you it's um, you know I think there's this kind of you know critical conversations we have with each other in more kind of everyday ways and then there's also you know it's, it's, you know radio um, you know public forums articles you um, it's in the classroom. It's you know, Ricky and I a few years ago attended that amazing um, the community policing one. What was that called, Ricky?
1: Do you remember that? Um, that was um, how to how to organise away from triple zero. How oh, to right.
2: stop calling triple zero or something like that. And it was run yeah. by Rachel. Rachel, Rachel Yeah. Yep. Um, you know those sorts of. So when it, when you say formal things when you talk about formal education Giselle I know that we've been talking about um as a collective like how do we kind of create you know run these types of workshops that are being done in the US are really exciting and useful ways I think to um kind of organize within the community um and I don't think that we do that enough here in Australia um yeah, like there's so many different ways I think that, um, yeah, I don't know, how does education happen? And, you know, continually also educating ourselves, right, learning new things and reading other people and listening to other people all the time. Um, I don't know. I don't have a good answer either, just that i, think I it's... always continually learning from all of you, all of you and everybody and that um, we're always very mindful of how we can do education as well back within to the community, the mainstream to, you know, that sort of thing. I think those were great answers. And part of I think
0: what we as activists need to have a bit more confidence to do is to say um, we don't know or, yeah, that's that's a real challenge and we're still figuring that one out. And, um, you know, I have immense respect for both of you for um, saying that. You know, we this is an area we need to work towards, and we're still figuring out how to do it respectfully and openly and honestly, but also effectively. And I think that is the challenge that has faced activists for millennia: is how to mm. is how to do that. So I guess we all just keep working on it.
1: That's so funny. Um, I just remembered something, Giselle. Actually, Crystal, you're quite like that too towards me. Um, <laughs> You two are just really good at pulling us up, like just pulling us aside because obviously, you know, Crystal, you've you've got a PhD in history. So you're very not you've got like a wealth of knowledge. And you know, Giselle, you I feel like I can just ring you all the time, actually both of you, just for political advice or um, organizing advice. And that's a thing, like we do rely on each other, but I'll never forget how you could not be any more obvious, Giselle, but in a real kind way, you are like, you just need to read more. And I was just like, not in those words, but um, I got the point. (laughs) Um, And it's good when you can have those open and honest um, dialogues, because, you know, um, I'm still a student too, you know, and I think that being in that space too, and how do we all learn together as a community? And how do we take that information from institutions? Or wherever they might sit, in the in the minds of our most intellectual community members, and make it accessible to every single community member, so they can self-organise.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I just as a final question, I wanted to um, raise the issue of solidarity movements, and I know that we refer to these people as allies. I'm not into that languaging but I accept that's what we're using that's a a whole topic for another interview but what advice or um, comments what words would you say for any allies out there that want to be involved in a um, in solidarity with these movements how can people get involved and how should they be how should they act how should they operate once they enter the aboriginal solidarity movement space
2: I, just, I think that people need to listen and, like like we are talking about at the start of this conversation, to get behind safety no. deaths in custody, like listen to the families and get behind what they're calling for. Like always get behind the community and um, I'm not sure how kind of the allies organise themselves, but there's lots of really um, uh, active... Uh, ally groups, I guess, Um, like there's the Muslim bloc, the Jewish bloc, the Asian solidarity bloc. There's all these kind of communities of people that self-organise and do kind of self-education around um, Indigenous fights for justice. Um, Yeah, I just say listen, support, show up, You know, donate your time, labour, money, all of those types of things, Ricky. (laughs) Oh,
1: I don't know. Look, I agree with everything Crystal says, and I think we're getting in a space now where we're getting good at it. Um, you know, I I I I still obviously need to do my own personal research to form my own politics around solidarity and allied politics, but um. I don't have an answer to that specifically, but I will say one good example of solidarity is the work of solidarity work that they do with us. Oh, yeah, um,
2: of course, <laughs> Giselle.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I must say that <laughs> That's I, I'm really motivated by, um, like I'm like I think that I'm just really motivated by that those acts of solidarity um, and um for me, I, I felt really, I hate the word hope. I want to figure out another thing that we can use as organisers and activists that's not hope because I don't like the word hope. It's some, there's something really just about hope that I don't, I don't like that. But for want of a better word, I want to say maybe hopeful for now. Um, I'm just really proud of how everyone got together for that Invasion Day and, and I love how organised we were. I love how trained we were. I love how... We got together and there was discipline, and not every, we weren't here talking about oh well that person posted this on um, social media three weeks ago, so we're not going to work with them. Like I feel like we've grown as a movement and um, as maybe an activist community to um, just like work together. And for me, that just looked like real good work. And we were working in and, and it, you know we pulled that one of the in my opinion one Of the most amazing feats off in 2021 to pull off that COVID plan to shut Murdoch and the government and the police up about us not being able to protest. So, um, I don't have the answer yeah, it's here, incredible, yeah, that's incredible, really amazing act of solidarity.
2: Mm. Incredible that the it's incredible that that was that, that that was pulled off, it really was. Invasion day was pulled off in a way that, um, in Melbourne that, yeah, you're right, Mickey. like it's like no one can critique it, right?
0: That was Mariki Onis and Crystal McKinnon, activists in the Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, talking about the ongoing movement for justice for Aboriginal people. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hannah and I look forward to your company again next week. Don't sing me
1: an anthem, cause you don't know the words. Words are hard to remember. When they mean nothing at all To the heart who's still waiting For their voice to be heard Don't sing me your anthem When your anthem's absurd